The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio with Lee Whitting. Whether you're listening on TalkZone, by podcast, through the archives of our ad-free shows on our YouTube channel, or connected through the incredible content of our Facebook page. After 40 years of public silence about his spiritual experience, our guest today, disabled veteran Scott Drummond, finally decided to share his NDE that he experienced at age 28. A filmmaker friend who knew Scott's story politely urged him to be uh, filmed sharing his NDE publicity. And um, uh, on YouTube, the film went viral, making him an international sensation with over 17 million views. While pronounced dead for 20 minutes, Scott experienced heaven and no longer fears dying. He now wants to share his experience to give hope to people who are struggling with the fear of dying, especially during today's catastrophes, such as the Texas school shooting, the war in Ukraine, and the COVID-19 pandemic. Scott Drummond, welcome to NDE Radio. Thank you for having me, Lee. Oh, it's wonderful to have you. And uh, it's wonderful that you're now telling, telling your story. Um, Scott, tell us a little about your life before you had your NDE. Well, I, I played a lot of sports when I was growing up, and I enjoyed them very much. Um, I was all the way, played all the way through high school and ended up being uh, drafted into the Army. And when I went into the Army, I, had a, I was blessed that I, went, I did not have to go to Vietnam. I was one of three of my group that did not have to go. I stayed and played sports, played basketball for the base team. And then I was fortunate enough to go to Germany where I was support for the Vietnam veterans. And that's kind of where it uh, all began until I went to work, came back from the military. I went to work for the Postal Service because that's what I was trained in, in the Army. Yes. And I was able to work 30 years for the Post Office and then retire. Oh, and you traveled all over the country doing that, didn't you? I was very fortunate. And I, I got to travel around uh, from the East Coast to the West Coast, yeah. uh, writing manuals. I uh, was able to train people and uh, was enjoying my work life. Unfortunately, I was kind of on the wrong track. Once I started traveling three out of four weeks out of the year, or out of the month, I'm sorry, mm. I things uh, weren't going real well at the family life level. And yeah. at the time that I had the experience, when I was 28 years old, I was climbing quickly, working for the government. When I, when I had my experience, Lee, it changed the way I looked at life. I found out that it wasn't all about money. Yeah. I found out that it was not all about me. I I just wanted to ask, uh, Scott, you were raised in a religion, right? Yes. I was raised in the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And but were you active in it uh, up until your NDE, or or was were you just Not, kind of falling away from it? I was because of my activity at working. I was gone a lot, mm-hmm. and I had fallen away quite a bit. And I didn't have well. I wasn't on the right track, Lee. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it was it was hungry. I was it was all about making money, and I found out it wasn't the way life is supposed to be. Yeah. So when you turned 28, one day you decided to go skiing. Uh, so tell us what happened after that. Okay. Well, a little, little bit preliminary. I was working over in Jackpot, Nevada, and I was spending three out of four weeks over there working. And Christmas time was coming on. And I was able to come home and and visit my family 
which is something that I wasn't able to do very much before that time. I had a great Christmas, Lee. It was a, a really good time. But as as I was sitting at that time in my life, I decided to be a little selfish and go skiing in Park City. When I went skiing, it was there again. It was, unfortunately, it was about me. It wasn't about my family. I just called a friend of mine and we went up there. Well, we went skiing in Park City and we had a great time. And I was making the turns and feeling really good about how things were going on the mountainside. It was cold, the setting, but it was a lot of fun. About 11 o'clock, a lady came down the ski lift, the ski line, I'm sorry, and she was skiing and her poles were on every which way. Uh, she ran into a group of us that were standing in the lift line. And we picked her up and we dusted her off and we got her on her way. I never thought anything more about it after that. Well, I skied the whole rest of the day. It was cold, like I said, so I didn't feel a lot. And at the end of the day, we came down to the car to put all ski equipment away. And and I took off my skis and I started to take my boots off. And I couldn't take my boots off without taking my gloves off first. And when I took my gloves off, my right thumb just hung straight down. Uh, it was dislocated, and it was only holding on by the skin. And I yes. knew when I looked at that, I don't know if you've ever had something like that happen to you. Your stomach just turns, and, and you start to get a little bit nauseous. And Well, at that time, when I was sitting inside of the car, as it warmed up, my thumb started hurting more and more and more. Well, the friend that I was with, made a call down to my wife and we down to the down to her so that she could set up at the hospital to, to get me in to get into surgery. We made the drive down. And when we got down to the hospital, down to the emergency room, my wife was there waiting for me and she had set up with a surgeon to operate on my thumb. Well, after prep time and getting everything ready, they wheeled me into the hospital uh, operating room. And I'll never forget that day because it it was unusual because at that time, my wife and I loved each other, but we wondered if we liked each other. <laughs> uh, but I remember looking over her before I was going in, and I didn't tell her thank you for what she did. And I didn't tell her that I loved her. And it was something that, that uh, as we get into this, really weighed on my mind. When we, at that time, they willed me into the operating room. Now, they were going to do anesthesia. The anesthesiologist was going to be there to give me the, the, the medicine that I needed for the operation. And he was called away. And I guess there was another emergency that was going on at the same time. So the doctor opted to go with what they call a bear block. Now, a bear block is a tourniquet that they put on your arm and that has two valves on it. And what they do with these valves is they, first of all, they keep both of them tight. And when the pressure comes on your arm from the local that they put in my hand, they they loosen up one valve and then they keep the other valve tight. The reason for that is so that the medicine that's down in your hand won't be, won't go past the, the tourniquet into the rest of your body. Right. And so when they prepared me for this, they put a, a sheet between me and where they were going to be operating. So my hand, I was laid out on the table with my arm out. My sheet was between me and the doctor. So I couldn't see what was going on at all with the operation. Well, as the operation proceeded, we got into it. I can't tell you how long because I wasn't looking at clocks. The pressure started coming into my arm 
And I remember it hurt quite bad. And so the nurse who had not done this procedure before, but yet was being guided by the doctor how to do it, uh, was told to release the first valve and let the pressure off, but leave the second one closed. And she did that, and that relieved the pressure just fine. And the doctor continued to, to cut and open up my thumb. Well, as time went on, the pressure started coming on again. And so what the nurse did was she released the second valve, but did not close the first valve. And when that happened, the, the, I felt immediately something that went up my arm, across my chest, and into my heart. And the last thing I, I knew right then is that I was standing above my body. And I heard the nurse as she ran out of the room saying that I killed him. And I'll never forget that. I, I've always felt bad for that nurse. I never, was never able to catch up with her to tell her that everything, everything is okay. Now, I went up above my body. I stood on the side where the sheet was, where the doctor was working. And I sat there and looked at my body as it was laying on the table. And I sat there and I looked at what the doctor was doing. And the doctor was so diligent in finishing up his surgery. I was really impressed. Something else happened at this time. I felt someone beside me. Now, I wasn't allowed to look at this person. But, you know, growing up, I always heard about guardian angels. Mm. And I felt like this person was my guardian angel. This person talked to me through my mind. I didn't hear his voice speaking. I heard his mind speaking to me. And we sat there and watched the doctor work on me. And I watched people run into the room, try to revive me. They, they were extremely hard to bring me back. But when the guardian angel was standing beside me, and I'm going to call him a guardian angel because I feel like that's what he was. We both sat there and watched the doctor as he cut a tendon out of my arm and wrapped it around my thumb. I watched him as he was putting pin in my thumb, and I, I watched how that pin was a little bit long and how he had to cut the pin to make it to fit in my thumb and how impressed I was to watch that. And I watched him put, start to put the stitches in my arm where he pulled the tendons out. I watched him start to put the stitches in my thumb. And it was, it was very, a very good feeling what he was doing with my body. But I knew that I wasn't in my body. I was above my body watching what was going on. Mm. Now, at that time, this person that was right next to me through my mind said, it's time to go. And there was no question in my mind that it, that it was time for me to go. And I don't know, didn't know where I was going. I didn't know. But, I, but what I did know was how much peace I had. There was so much peace inside of my body. And I felt so much love for what was going on at that time. And I, I can't express the feeling that I had inside my body. It was so pure. It was almost, it was a pure love. And when I went with this person, I was standing, the next thing I knew, and it seemed like a blink of an eye, I was standing in this field. And I, the person that brought me there was still behind me where I couldn't see him, but I could feel him and I could hear his mind talking to my mind. And the first thing that he said to me was, 
don't look back. And I remember that so clearly, that, that feeling that don't look back. Now, where I was standing, to the left of me, the far left of me were trees, the most unusual looking trees that I have ever seen with great big trunks on them. They had beautiful leaves at the top, I remember. And the one thing that stood out to me was when I look at trees, I look at a trunk on a tree, it looks dirty to me. But these trees were a brilliant, brilliant brown with a tint of gold on them, which I thought, what a beautiful tree. And as I looked at these tall trees, I looked at the leaves up on the top. And the leaves were a brilliant green. And when I'm talking brilliant, we see colors here on Earth in 3D. The colors that I was seeing 10 times at, they were just brilliant colors. And the leaves weren't all green. The greens were kind of multicolors. And they were just brilliant, brilliant colors. And I'll never forget that. When I looked between the trees and where I was standing, there were wildflowers. Now, these wildflowers came up to about my waist, and they were beautiful. I've never seen colors like these in my life. And it's colors that I dream about today, being able to see every, every day I go out and see the flowers that are in my yard or in, or in the area. The flowers were unusual because every one of the flowers were facing me. Now, usually when you see a plant, you have to walk around all the way around the plant to see all the different flowers. These plants were all facing towards me, including the leaves that were on the, on the stems of these flowers. But these colors were were so brilliant that it is something I'll never forget. But the other thing I wanted to say was these flowers also gave out love. Now, I don't know if you've ever had something that was that you really loved. And I don't know how to explain this. Uh, Lee, I, it was something so pure and so kind and so full of love that I, I, I could not explain it. I could not, I could not explain it. And I see this every day and I still can't explain it. For the last 41 years, I've been seeing what I saw in this afterlife experience. And it's just unbelievable what I see. Um, was there any breeze blowing? I think you said that there was kind of a flowing motion to the grass. You know, there was no breeze. And that's that was the other thing that was unusual. You know, when wind blows, everything just kind of goes back and forth and waves. Yeah. But this, this, uh, flowers and the grass flowed. And now something else that really struck me when I was standing there was the grass that, that I was standing in, which was to the right of me and then straight in front of me, mm-hmm. was all flowing towards me. Now, like, oh. it was it was the grass was so full of love. And it was unusual grass because the grass was the stems were very green, brilliant green, but the tops were more of a gold color. Hmm. And the only thing I can compare that gold to is when you see wheat in a field, and sometimes you see the light hitting them just right. They're a real brilliant gold color. And that's the only thing that I've been able to see that's even comparison to what I saw with that grass. Wow. Now, that person that was behind me, all of a sudden, oh, Lee, let me tell you one more part. Okay. In front of me was a cloud. 
Now, this this setting was kind of a panoramic-type setting. It wasn't – I was standing in a field, but yet it, the cloud wasn't very far in front of me. But I could see a long ways to the left, and I could see a long ways to the right. But I was not allowed to look back. Mm. And this cloud was brilliant. It was um, – the only thing that I can describe is it looked like a pearl color. And when I talk about a pearl, if you've ever seen a car that is painted in a pearl color, it shows different colors of brightness to it. There's a little bit of pinks and floral colors, and it's just brilliant colors. But in this cloud, through the cloud, and I'm going to give you kind of a, a demonstration here. If you ever looked up in the sky and saw the sun showing down through a cloud, and you see the rays that are coming down out of yep. the cloud? Yes. Well, this is what was happening out of that cloud that was in front of me. But instead of going down like through a cloud, it was actually coming towards me. And those, that, those rays were showing rays of love. It was so peaceful standing there in that field that it was, it, and calming, that it, it's hard to really describe. Mm. Now, going back to this person now that was standing behind me, all of a sudden I felt his presence disappear. And I knew that at that time I was there by myself. Even though I was by myself, I still felt a lot of love and I still felt a lot of peace and a very calming, calming feeling and a very calming setting. Now that time, Lee, something happened that is hard for me to talk about. I watched my life. I watched from the day I was born until I was 28 years old, everything that I had done. Now, something kind of unusual about this setting was it wasn't like a video that was being shown towards, you know, out in front of me. It was all done through my mind. Hmm. And it was not a video in my mind. I was actually living it. So I lived everything that I saw from the day I was born until I was 28 years old. An experience that I will never forget. Some things were good. Some things were bad. Some things that I wasn't very proud of. The things that I wasn't proud of is the way, the way I treated people. And how... I was at the point in my, my life where I, I would do about anything to get ahead in my work. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't going to let anybody get my way. And it was, it was tough on my wife. It was tough on my family, tough on my friends. But it was something that in my body that I felt like it was something I needed to do. Well, after watching this video and watching my my life with my parents and and the way that they raised me and and seeing all the way playing sports all the way growing up through the years and then going into the military and getting married to my wife and seeing all these things, I went this I I knew that I wasn't on the right track. I knew I had to do better. At that time, I didn't know if I could do better because I knew that I knew that I was not going back because I was told that I was not to look back again. But I knew at that time I had to do better. Now, after the video was over, there was no one to talk to about the excuses of why I did this or did that. 
it was what it was. And it was very, very real. And I knew that what I did, some of the things that I did was wrong. And I knew that some of the things that I did was was good. And I thought at that time, you know, there's no middle of the road. There's no fence riding. It's either good or bad. That's all we're judged on. And I knew at that time, Lee, that that I could have done better. When the video was all over, I was standing there all by myself. And I was not I was not judged on the bad and the good, but I but I judged myself on the bad and the good. And you know, as individuals, we're harder on ourselves than anybody else could be on us. And so at the end of it, I just went, well, it's what it is. Excuse me, Ray. It's kind of hard to talk about. Of course. It's what it is. And then something happened that was just unbelievable. I heard a voice through my mind telling me to walk forward. I walked through the grass. I walked by the wildflowers. And it was as I was walking by them, I put my arms out to the side. And I felt the love coming from those flowers. And I felt the love coming from that grass. And one thing that was so apparent to me was the grass was actually following me, turning towards me as I was walking up to that cloud. And the flowers were following me as I was walking up to the cloud. Wow. Now, when I got up to the cloud, like I said, it was just a brilliant, brilliant pearl color with the rays just coming out of this cloud towards me as if to wrap those rays around me and and fill me full of love. Well, the next thing that happened when I got up to that cloud was an arm. This much of the arm, Lee, came through the cloud. Now, when that arm came through, I looked at it and I studied it. I don't know why I did that, but it was just a, for me, it was a natural reaction at the time. And I, I looked at that arm and the unique thing about looking at that arm is I didn't see color. The color was, it, it, it wasn't black. It wasn't white. It wasn't yellow. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't red. It was just, a brilliant, it was just brilliant coming through that cloud. And he put his hand out like this in a, in a cocky motion. And I went to reach for that. And I, I reached as he was pulling it back. And he pulled it back and he said, it is not yet your time. You have more things yet to do. I'll never forget that. I I repeat that word for word every day for the last 40 plus years that that happened because it was something that just stood in my, in my mind so vividly my whole life. And this past 41 years, I see that. I see those flowers. I see the grass. I see those trees. And I try to emulate that feeling that I had while I was standing up in that field. Mm. Now, when that arm went back into the cloud, and again, the, the most brilliant cloud I've ever, ever seen, a pearl color. The next thing I knew, I was laying on the table in the operating room. Mm. Now, at that time, they'd finished with the operation and they were just getting, they were just starting to roll me out of the operating room. When I went back into my body, I had one of the biggest wars that I have ever had with myself. 
I'll never, never forget it because I did not want to come back. I had felt something in my life that I had never felt before. And it was the pure love of Christ. I felt like he was there to greet me. Now, that voice was so familiar. I'll never forget that voice. And the guardian angel that took me out there, I'll never forget that voice. Because I'm going to hear it again someday. But that voice that was so full of pure love was something that I, I look for every day of my life. Now, when I was on that underneath that sheet, which they had pulled over my head, I started moving all over the table. And the doctor must have just totally freaked him out because it, he had already, they'd already pronounced me dead for 20 minutes. Start, they started wheeling me out in the hallway, and my wife was out in the waiting room, and the first thing that doctor did is went to my wife and told her that we brought him back. Everything's okay. You, everything's okay. And he tried to calm my wife. Well, to be right up front, my wife didn't even know what was going on, she said. Mm-hmm. But the doctor, I guess, was white as a ghost when I came back to life, and on my chest was a paper saying that they had pronounced me dead for 20 minutes. Now, Lee, I kept this inside for 40 years. And every time I go to talk to somebody about it, I felt like either they didn't want to listen to me or they couldn't believe what I was talking about. But until... Wes walked up to me on the trail that day. I had planned on taking this story to my grave. Hmm. And that's the honest truth. I, my kids didn't know much about this. My wife knew bits and pieces about what had happened. But until I actually told the story, they never knew it in its entirety. Now, this didn't happen to me during wartime. You know, it happened to me after I was in the Army and I was 28 years old. Mm-hmm. When, when Wes came up to me on the trail that day, we have a river trail right by our house that I walk up and down. And it gives me a chance to get out into nature and to kind of look at colors and try to see things differently and try to keep my mind on track. He was walking down the trail that day, and he mentioned to me, he says, he said a year ago, you made mention to, to some people that you were, were, were not afraid of dying. And I told him that is true. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm actually looking forward to hopefully having a better report. Next time this that experience happens, I didn't tell him that at the time. I just told him, yes, that I, I'm not afraid of dying. And what he asked me at that time really caught me off guard. It was never anything I had ever experienced or ever, ever thought it would happen. But he asked me, he says, would you mind telling people about your story? And I told him no. I mean, it was just a natural reaction because it was so private to me and so sacred to me. And and he said, please, I think people would like to hear your story. And I said, no, again. Mm-hmm. And he came back with something that really hit hard. And he said, there's a lot of people right now that are dying of covid 19. He says, there's a lot of people out there that need to hear what you have to say about what happened to you. And he said that you might be able to comfort them or give them hope or give them some faith and maybe even come back and believe in God again. And 
I told, I just ducked my head at that time and I, I walked away from him and I went home. Now, since this experience that I had, I, my, my values about God and about Jesus Christ have really changed. I, I believe in them and I, I know that they are, they walk beside me all the time and they're giving me guidance. And so at that time, Leah, I, I said a prayer and I asked my wife if she would say a prayer too and ask if what is, what is being asked of me is the right thing to do. And it uh, came back so strong that it was time for me to tell my story. And I, I, I kept thinking, why? why? Why can't I take this to my grave and, and, and know that I, hopefully it, it helped me be a better person. And it wasn't. The, the thing that came back to me, Lee, was it was all about the one. And I remember that so close and so vividly. Because in that, the way it was said to me was almost the way that it was said to me, don't look back when I was standing up in that field. And it came back so loud and clear that it was all about the one. Now, thinking about all about the one, I, I thought, how can I affect anybody with my story? And it came back again. It's all about the one person that you might be able to help with your story. And I, it was so loud and clear. And I called, I, I talked to my wife about it. And she, she felt the same way. She says, maybe it's time. Maybe you were saved from your experience for this time, this date, to come out with your story because of what was happening in the world. And I called Wes, and he set it up to where I could be filmed. And before I went in, I said a prayer. And I, I asked my father to and I said, if you'll help me through this, I'll do this. If you don't, I won't be able to do this. Well, this was this has been almost two years now. And the things that I've been taught in the last two years have been so humbling. I've been able to talk lady, to people all over the world about their experiences. And I am just, I was shocked at how many people around the world have had experiences very similar to what mine is. And how through Messenger, we've been able to talk to each other. People from China, people from Malaysia, people from Australia, people from uh, Russia, Ukraine. And I haven't heard much from them lately because of the war that's going on there. But I feel for those people. Had one of the best discussions I have ever had with a military person from Anchorage, Alaska, that had just come back from Afghanistan from being fighting in the war, and how how his PTSD was really affecting his his marriage and his family life. You know, it's experiences like this that has made that all about the one worth it in my life. I haven't done a lot of podcasts because I'm a very private person, Lee. And this this experience is still very close to my heart. I I have talked to a lot of people around the world that have been given special gifts that have come back, you know, and, and been able to help people around the world. There is so many good people out there. You know, I being able to talk to people one on one at several several times in the in in the middles of the night 
and because time changes are so different around the world. But to hear their hearts, it's it's if I know them. And I I I have to turn these things over to my father in heaven because you know I don't have all the answers. I can't tell them how to change their lives. But what I can tell them is that my Father in Heaven and Jesus Christ has really helped me through these last 40, 41 years. I, I'm a very blessed person. I've had, fortunately, sufficient for my needs. And my Father in Heaven has blessed me in a marriage that when I was 28 years old until now, for 40, almost 48 years, we've had a great marriage. And it was, it's because of my experience that I had. And I know it. And I, I feel so blessed to be able to come back, get to know my family. In fact, I wouldn't even have known my, my youngest daughter because she wasn't born at the time. But we have four beautiful kids and 12, 12 grandkids. And I've been able to be with them and love them and enjoy their lives. And hopefully I've been able to be a a kind person to them and be a good example to them. Hey, Scott, uh, did it ever cross your mind during those 40 years that uh, when you heard it's not yet your time, you still have things to do, that the things that you had to do were all tied up with, with telling your story? You know, when I... That day that I I prayed about it, Lee, about telling my story was the first time that I was, it hit me so hard that it was time. Mm. I, I have kept it so guarded because it was so sacred to me. I felt like it was all meant for me. And that was the selfish side of me. I understand that now. You know, man is selfish, and, you know, it's taken me – these changes didn't happen overnight, Lee. Mm. You know, to me, I've, I've had to learn it. You know, I'm, I'm a man. I'm a regular person. I'm nothing special. You know, I am not – I'm, I'm educated, but I'm not highly educated. Yeah. But I – I'm just a, a normal person. I'm, a, I'm an ordinary man married to an extraordinary woman. <laughs> you mentioned uh, in talking to other people that uh, some of them had come back with gifts. And I think you mentioned you had a few, too, that you've discovered. You tell, know, us a, tell us a little about that. I, I'm not going to go into specifics on a lot of them, Lee. You know, I can talk about a couple of them. And it's the ones that I talked to you about previously, but it's, you know, I see colors a lot different now. When I, when I see flowers, I see the brilliant colors from these flowers Mm. and I can taste color. I can't, I can't explain it to you, but I can taste color. Colors are brilliant. When I, when I just sit back and watch things that are around me, I have the ability to to taste food before I even eat it. Hmm. Um, something that you know I I can't explain, but I but I love I love that feeling. Another small one, Lee. And I'm not going to talk about all the a lot of a lot more after this one, but this is one that I probably enjoy the most. Hmm. I, I'm a gardener, and I became a better gardener after my experience because of my experience at STEM in that field. But I can take a seed and put it in my hand. And I can watch that seed sprout. I can watch the stem start to grow up. I can watch the leaves starting to sprout on it and turn it into beautiful, 
beautiful green leaves. And then I can watch the little buds starting to come on this seed, mm. on this plant. And then I can actually see the plant in full growth. And I can, t- I can actually eat the fruit that's on that plant. And I know that it tastes good. It, I know it sounds kind of far-fetched, but it's something that has been with me for a long time. And it's something that I take very personal and private, but I, but I love to watch plants grow. Do you suppose that gift comes from the way the plants on the other side turn to you and radiated love toward you that you, that you developed that affinity, that friendliness, that, uh, that um, identification with plants that made these gifts possible. You know, I'm sure it, it could have had a lot to do with it because I felt the love, you know, that came from those plants Mm. and a, I know that I feel that love that I get to share with my plants and, and because I get to nurture them, you know, and I think that standing in that field, very possibly I could have had that nurture. That's the, probably the same kind of nurture we are supposed to be providing for each other. I think so, Lee. Yeah. I really do. You know, we're we're all here to help each other. We can't we can't make it on our own. As much as we try, we have to have others around us. I always believed after that day, it took an army to raise my family, <laughs> and and luckily I had a very good army because every one of my kids have sure been good kids. Um, you're in the process of writing a book. Why don't you tell us about that? Well, it's this is uh, something that I never expected in my lifetime to do. I've been retired since 2005. I was fortunate to retire after 30 years. And, and in the last, since 2005, my wife and I have done a lot of traveling. and We enjoy traveling and being together and seeing our kids wherever they're living. And, and one day, uh, a young lady by the name of Sandy Ponton, who is a ghostwriter that lives in Forks, Washington, uh, came to me and wanted to write my story. Hmm. And we have been working on this story now for oh, probably about, well, it's been probably since about last October. And we've been putting together things to go into this book. We're not quite finished with it. I'm working with an agent out of Washington, D.C. that has given us some great advice on on what we need to do for this book. But it's a book of, of, of what happened to me during my younger years leading up to my experience, and then those things that I've learned for the past 40 years. And we're, we're excited about it. Every time that uh, she flies down here and we meet, uh, we, it's, it's a new experience. Uh, we, we are, we're enjoying it which yeah. is uh, something I never, ever thought I would experience in writing a, help writing a book. <laughs> well, but the book is about you, so you should be enjoying it. Well, I, <laughs> it, it's, it's like living my life over again. So, but the, the name of the book that we came up with uh, was What Dying Taught Me About Living. Uh, good title. And, and so we're... You know, that, that title may change when it goes to the editor, mm-hmm. but, but that's the title that uh, at this time that we have come up with on the book. Yeah. Now, an, another thing, you and I are going to be part of a, the IONS conference in uh, the fall of, 
on Labor Day weekend is in Salt Lake City near where you live. And um, so uh, and you're presenting there, aren't you, this year? You know, I was kind of caught me by surprise because I'm not a doctor or, you know, a psychologist or, you know, someone that studies these kinds of experiences. But uh, Lilia, who works with Andy Radio, uh, helped me with an application to put in to speak at this conference. She felt like it was something that, that I needed to do. And thanks to her leadership and guidance, where she helped so many people. And, you know, being a veteran, she's kind of taken me under her wing. <laughs> and so I, have, I was asked to speak on September 3rd at 9 o'clock in the morning. And at 10 o'clock, I've been asked to be on a panel to work with veterans that have had these kinds of experiences. Well, that's terrific. And I'll be speaking on Thursday. I pretty much opened the, uh, the meeting. So I'm oh, looking forward to meeting you in person. This is going well, to be fun. I look forward to meeting you. Yeah. Scott, uh, we're just about out of time. I want to thank you so much for sharing your, your experience with us and, um, and how it's changed you, changed your life, and, and now is changing other people. Um, if people wanted to get in touch with you or reach you somehow, how, how would they do that? Well, just basically go to the uh, website where I did my podcast, yeah, okay. the My Near Death Experience. Uh, it's listed under Scott Drummond. And I, I'd love to, to read the comments. And many times I, I get back to these people and let them know how I feel. Terrific. And uh, if listeners to this show have questions, they can also leave comments for you where this show it will appear on our YouTube channel at NDE Radio with Lee Whitting. There'll be a chance for you to reply to their comments there well, as well. You. So thanks, Scott. Thank you so much. It's been a real honor talking with you. Thanks, Lee. Well, thank you for sharing your story. These stories are so important to our listeners. If listeners would like to hear this show again or any of our more than 450 archived ad-free NDE interviews, go to TalkZone's NDE radio site and hit the Past Shows button or go to our YouTube channel, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, where you can subscribe to and comment on the complete NDE radio library. And be sure to check out our NDE Radio Facebook page. Just search NDE Radio with Lee Whitting on your Facebook app. And listen again next Monday. 11 a.m. Eastern at Talk Zone for more NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening.